is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Sarah Abbott, Taylor Schwenk are back in Connecticut, and I'm Buster Olney in Deadwood, South Dakota. And I got to tell you guys, it's one of the most unusual venues in which I've ever, uh, from which I've ever taped a podcast. I'm in the bathroom in my hotel. It's about five in the morning here in Deadwood, and I'm afraid to raise my voice because given the reputation of the town, I'm worried that I'll get killed. Like someone will come through the door shooting as they did with Wild Bill Hickok. Buster, I'm, I'm surprised you stopped in a town called Deadwood overnight. That's risky, man. We put your life on the line for the podcast here. <laughs> the hotel is on top of a casino. Uh, and, and I'm a little, you know, I took Quinny down there, do her business early this morning. And I'm just like, man, I hope no one down in the lobby just lost like their life savings. And because you know that they're probably, you know, that it involves alcohol, probably guns and loss of money. It's not a good combination. Yes, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, definitely not a good combination, especially for Quinny. Oh, man. Well, she, Quinny. she's the one who would probably charm them. We went into the, uh, we, after we got here last night, I went down to the bar to get a drink and she charmed like 25 people there. And they're all coming up and they're talking to her. So maybe, maybe she's, uh, you know, my passport through Deadwood. Um, <laughs> and, and sir, uh, before we get to, into the rundown, I was going to mention, we're going to need you for a dramatic reading today. Is that uh, something you can do for us? Oh, of course. I love a dramatic reading. Yeah. And that would be of uh, parts of the New York Times piece that starred John Angelos, owner of the Orioles, Taylor's favorite owner, who said a lot of crazy stuff that needs to be challenged. Taylor, would you agree with me? Buster, this this article that was written uh, without any sort of pushback on the things that, John Angelos gets a lot of uh, a lot of mic time and no one really pushing back. We, I went back and listened to his press conference from spring training where he uh, the second time he promises to open the books. Like this guy, this guy's getting a free pass. He's skating through life. It seems like a theme for him. Well, you know, and, and we'll we'll. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to push back today. There, there are parts of things that he uh, he he said that uh, I mean, they just need to be challenged. And I'm I'm glad to see back in Baltimore there are a couple people who are doing that, and we're going to do that on the podcast today. There is a lot of other big news in the sport. We're going to be talking about this with Tim Kirchin coming up. The Chicago White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf, who I've talked about being the most uh, loyal owner in sports, he fired Vice President Ken Williams, General Manager Rick Hahn. The quote from Jerry in his statement, ultimately, the well-worn cliche that professional sports is result-oriented is correct. While we have enjoyed successes as an organization and we're optimistic heading into the competitive window of this rebuild, this year has proven to be very disappointing for us on many levels. Uh, On day one of uh, the new era for the White Sox, it made no difference. They faced the Seattle Mariners. Josh Rojas got a big hit. Here's Rojas, the stretch of the pitch on the way to Josh, swinging a fly ball, well hit into right field. Colas going back to the one track, looking up, goodbye baseball, into the White Sox bullpen. Josh Rojas with a two-out, two-run home run here in the top of the fourth inning, and it's now the Mariners four and the White Sox one, number two on the year for Rojas. Here was the sound of the final outs for the Mariners, the eighth straight victory. 
Here's the stretch and the one-two on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And the ball game is over. The Mariners win in a final score of 6-3 to three over the White Sox here in Chicago. And once again, for the second time this year, the Mariners have an eight-game winning streak. That from Seattle Sports, 7-10 a.m. The White Sox ended the day with a 49-77 record, 16 games behind the first-place Twins. The Astros face the Red Sox. Justin Verlander pitched out of a big jam in the top of the sixth inning, and John Singleton put the game away in the bottom of the seventh. 3-2 to Singleton. And that's ripped down the right field line. Fair ball it is. Two runs will score. Diaz in. Here comes McCormick. He scores. Another double for Singleton. This time he drives in a pair. 7-0 Astros for Big Bad John. That from KBME, 790 AM. The Rangers also lost. So now the three teams in the American League West are bunched together within two games of each other. The Rangers, the Astros, and the Mariners. And a heck of a race developing out there. Not surprisingly, Major League Baseball placed Rays infielder Wander Franco on administrative leave indefinitely. Uh, and immediately, the Rays seem to be preparing to move on for the, at least the you know, foreseeable future without Franco until his case is resolved. Uh, Mark Topkin, who we had on the podcast the other day, tweeted out that signs of Wander Franco are disappearing at the trough. The banner of him on the rotunda was replaced by Yandy Diaz. The elevator wrap is now uh, Pete Fairbanks. Uh, Franco does still have a locker in the clubhouse. The Rays had a good day on Tuesday, taking care of business. And the guy who got a big hit, but the guy who replaced Wander Franco at shortstop. Swing and a high fly ball. Deep left field. Jones back to the track at the wall. Gone! The first homer in the major leagues for Oslavis Basabe is a grand slam. And it caps a nine-run eight. The Rays now lead it 12-4. to four. Talk about a moment. The Blue Jays have been playing well of late. They're fighting for their lives in the American League wildcard race. And Brandon Belt got a big hit in the top of the 10th. First pitch to Brandon Belt is smashed to right field. McKenna racing back. It's gone. First pitch long ball. Brandon Belt. The Blue Jays are up 5-3. to three. That's a batting practice fastball from Mike Bauman. And for Belt, his third home run in the last two games. And from Sportsnet 590, the fan. The Yankees promoted a couple of young prospects for the last weeks of the season. Obviously, they want to take a look. Everson Pereira, Oswald Peraza promoted to the big leagues. The Nationals uh, played the Yankees last night. C.J. Abrams broke a tie in the top of the eighth inning. Third baseman shortens into the grass and a swing and a long drive to right. Down the line, hooking toward the corner. Will it stay fair? It hits the foul pole. It is gone. Goodbye. A home run for C.J. Abrams. Puts the Nationals in front here with two out of the top of the eighth inning. That from the Nationals radio network. C.J. Abrams, six homers since the All-Star break. Here's what it sounded like on the Yes Network as the game came to an end. There he goes. Grounded to third. Oh! 
Torgas with a beautiful play at third base. And the Yankees lose for the ninth straight time. This time by a score of 2-1 to one to the Nationals. Their first nine-game losing streak since September 13th through the 21st in 1982 when the manager was Clyde King. Nine straight losses for the Yankees. And Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, answered a question about the morale of the team. Pretty down. Um, but we got to, you know, we got to fight through it. I mean, that's, again, we, you know, I think we're doing and saying the right things. Um, but it's, you know, we're in it to win it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you work hard to put yourself in a position to shake hands at the end of the day. And when you get beat over and over again and you're in the middle of a tough season, it makes it hard. But you got to, you got to, you got to fight that feeling and, and get your back here tomorrow ready to compete and that's um you know but but it's no fun walking in that locker room getting beat every night for the yankees that nine game losing streak is their longest since 1982 the guardians manager terry francona spoke with reporters on tuesday and he told them that he's kind of beat up and he hasn't decided on his future so there were hints in this conversation that this might be the end of uh, terry francona's managerial career. We'll see what his final decision is as we move forward. The Reds face the Angels. And Matt McClain gave the Reds a lead in the top of the first. Giolito into his windup, home of the 0-1 pitch, and McClain shoots one well hit deep toward right center field. Trout back, looks up, it is gone! Matt McClain puts the Reds on top with his 14th home run of the year. You were saying? I was saying that Matt McLean just said, hey, I live here. And he just showed you why. That from 700 WLW, the Reds went on to win 4-3. to three. Jorge Soler is going crazy these days. He had home run number 33 in the top of the third inning against the Padres. 3-2 pitch, swung on, hit high and deep. Center field, Soler. Oh, my goodness, he can watch it fly into the bushes in center field. Jorge Soler is 33rd bomb of the season. Blake Snell ain't getting that one back. It's Miami 1 in San Diego. Nothing here in the third. And from 940 WINZ, Marlins went on to win 3-0. The Brewers edged the Twins 7-3 with help from Willie Adamas. And the pitch. Hit to left and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Adamas. And the Brewers. So, Taylor, it feels like the best races down the stretch are going to be American League West, American League wildcard race, the National League wildcard race. How about all these teams from the National League Central fighting it out? I love it. I, I got to say, I'm partial to the Cubs right now. I think they are the most fun team to watch. I mean, you could maybe argue the Reds, but I've seen a little more consistency out of the Cubs right now, and I, I, th- I think they'd be a lot of fun in the postseason. To promote here at the end of the open, the College Game Day podcast out today, we had a huge get Kirby Smart, Georgia head coach, two time national champion looking for that three Pete this year. Uh, Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, they talked to him for 30 minutes. He was extremely generous with his time, um, revealed that he uh, celebrates Christmas in June because he works during Christmas. So that makes sense. But his favorite gift to get scratch off tickets. The man loves to, he, he, he's just like you and me, Buster. He likes to scratch off 
uh, a lottery ticket in his car on the way to work. So give that a listen. I don't like scratch offs. I just like buying a regular like Powerball. When it gets up to a billion, then count me in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in for a big number on the Powerball or the the Mega Millions. But uh, Kirby Smart, he loves to. He's got that like dust all over his car seat. So you can check that out. (laughs) Or you can listen to this podcast or on YouTube. Well, you know what? If you're a football coach in the SEC, I get it. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkshen. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirkshen covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, you're still in Williamsport. A couple more days there, yes? Yes, I've had a blast as always. This is a tremendous assignment. It is so much fun. And I've had such a good time with Todd Frazier this week. Look, I've known him for a long time. He's always been a great dude, but... He's in his element here. We've decided, Buster, he is the he's the biggest 12-year-old of all time because he's enjoying this as much as anyone. He told me he's got over 7,000 collectible pins. Now, I said, well, 400 of them are the same kind. He goes, no, they're all different. He has over 7,000. I gave him three first-time pins yesterday, and it was like a little child receiving his first ice cream cone. That's how excited he was. But this is the best part, Buster. He watches me work with my stupid notebook, the same notebook I've used, same type of notebook for the last 25 years. So he went out and bought a notebook, and he's walking around, writing notes down, interviewing guys just like a cub reporter. It has been absolutely hilarious being with him. He's great on the call because he knows this place better than anyone. He was here 25 years ago. Uh, He's been a breath. Everything's been great here, but he's made it even better his first full, full year here. All right. So what I need to do uh, for sure is to I, be, uh, on Sunday before our broadcast, uh, Eduardo Perez gave me a bag of pins and he talked to me about how much the kids love the pins. And Tim, I forgot to disperse them. We had all the stuff going on during the broadcast. It was a little bit crazy. And so now I know where they're going to land. I got to send them to Todd Frazier. Yes. Yes. He is going to put up 
all of those pins some they're all in boxes at his house and in his man cave downstairs he's going to come up and may he told me make a you know a wall of pins that's how much he loves these and that's how much they mean to him given that was his favorite thing to do 25 years ago when he came to williamsport well that's awesome all right uh absolutely ground shaking news in baseball yesterday maybe it's not a surprise given the trajectory of the white Sox over the last decade or so but as you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, the White Sox owner, maybe the most, most loyal owner in baseball. And for him to get to a point where he fired Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, you know, essentially number one, number two uh, in baseball operations there, that changes a whole lot. That, that to me is like him firing a Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause when he owned the Bulls. Yeah, you can take away the maybe on on loyalty with Jerry Reinsdorf. He is yep. the most loyal owner in baseball. And to fire, especially Kenny Williams, who's been there that long, I know that was a really difficult decision. But, Buster, something had to be done there. And that doesn't mean those two guys aren't doing their jobs. But when, you, when you're this disappointing two years in a row with that kind of talent on the team, something – has to happen. That was a major shift now for the White Sox. And then the interesting part will be where do they go from here? To me, the manager, Pedro Grifol, has to stay. I am very impressed with the way he runs that team, but they need a lot of help right now. And now they've got a new, they're going to have a new general manager coming in at some point, I would think. Well, I think, Tim, the one thing it does do is it makes it easy for whoever they hire to run baseball operations. To, and I'm not going to use the word tanking because we don't know what their intention is. Um, you know, they went through the tanking cycle five or six years ago when they traded Chris Sale, et cetera. But it makes it easier for the guy coming in to do that type, sort of thing to say, you know what, the players that we have, the older veteran guys that we have that uh, have some value like Dylan Cease, you might as well move them because they're not going to be competitively relevant for a couple of years. Yes. Um, I would say yes. And I think, I think this is just the start of a new era for the White Sox. And you're right. Uh, new baseball ops guys are going to come in, really examine where they are. And even though this is a very winnable division moving forward, um, they're going to have to do something quickly here. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Speaking of change, the New York Yankees, nine straight losses. And Aaron Boone, I, I got to say, and you've been there like me, and you covered the, one of the, the worst streaks ever with the Baltimore Orioles. It does get to a point as a reporter covering a team in that situation where you're kind of averting your eyes in the postgame press conference when it you know, gets a loss number 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, because you're trying to figure out a new way to ask the same question. Yes? Yeah, it's – well, remember, I covered the Orioles in 88 yeah. when they lost their first 21 games. We were out of questions after about 10. But then they started to hit history every single day. And then at least you had something to ask about, hey, no one's ever lost 15 straight games to start a season. What does this mean? Oh, boy. Yeah, I can I can feel for the Yankee writers, but mostly I feel for our pal Aaron Boone, who we all worked with very closely – and he's out of answers. Buster, they've hit during this nine-game losing streak. They've hit 176, and they're scoring 2.33 runs per game. This is a terrible offensive team. Going into last night, they are hitting 230 as a team. They're 10th in the league in runs scored. They haven't had a lead in six right, straight games. Having all kinds of issues. <laughs> 
All right, Tim, we heard from our friend Terry Franconi yesterday about his future, and he didn't come out and say he's retiring, but it sure sounded like it's pointing that way. What do you think? Well, I'm praying that uh, he comes back next year because the game is always better when Tito Francona is in the game. Uh, I've said it many times. He is the funniest person I've ever met in a Major League Baseball uniform. He has a better way with people than anyone I've ever met in a baseball uniform, whether it's his players with the media, other teams. and But I also know how, how he's struggling physically. You know, 12 years ago, Buster, when he came to work with us, we went out to dinner on the bus trip in spring training, five straight nights. And one night I just asked him, I said, so like, how, how hurt are you? This is 12 years ago. And he said, all right, remember, you ask me. And then he told me what his body has been through in his life as far as surgeries and everything else. It was awful to see what he has to do on a daily basis just to be able to get through a day. He told me if he doesn't get in a swimming pool early in the day and get his body going, it literally locks up on him at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he can't even move. He can't even function. So when he says he's pretty beaten up um, and he's 64 years old, um, that's worrisome to me. First off, all we care about is him being healthy. But selfishly, we all want him to come back and, and manage next year because, A, he's still really good at it, and he's still always so much fun to be around. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And I think you'd agree with me that whenever he decides to retire, eventually he'll be making a speech in Cooperstown. You know, when you're the manager of the, uh, you know, the Red Sox in 2004, and that year when they broke through and won the World Series uh, for the first time since 1918, that's going to get you a ticket uh, to, on, to the podium in, in, uh, in Cooperstown, no question about it. Right. And then, of course, he won it again in 2007, and then he got the, the Indians, then the Indians, to the World Series in 2016. So he's a Hall of Fame manager, period. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, the Orioles, uh, are, you know, they continue to pop along, and it looks like they could win the division, American League East, this year. Uh, and we're going to get into more to what John Angelo said in the New York Times the other day, but the big reaction – that I heard around baseball yesterday, Tim, after John Angelos was talking about, you know, they're going to have to raise ticket prices dramatically and how they can't afford their young players, uh, you know, sort of deflecting the Kevin Brown comments in this article. Uh, so many people were like, why now? Why are you talking about this now? What was your reaction when you saw this piece? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really bad timing. I'm not sure I understand the logic behind this incredibly good, young, hungry, energetic team making a run for a division title two years after finishing 39 games out of fourth place. And what we hear is uh, we're not going to be able to afford these guys long term. We're really going to have to raise our ticket prices. It's just the absolute wrong message you should be sending. Now, these kids, these players don't care about that, I'm sure, because they're just so young and they're just out there playing, which is what makes them so good. But when you send the fan base and the area that kind of message, um, I just don't think that's very productive. And it, it confuses me, to say the least. Yeah, you know, Ben McDonald, when I had a conversation with him recently about the situation and, uh, or with the team and how well they're playing, you know, he mentioned to me, you know, these guys are all babes. Like, they're not they're, – they're just out there having fun. They're just playing baseball. 
it's the owner of the team invoking the business of baseball into this conversation around these players, which means that, you know, knuckleheads like me are going to wind up asking them questions about, hey, the owner says he can't afford you, Adley. He, he thinks the ticket price is going to be raised. I, what, those guys don't need that right now. When all they should be thinking about is just going out and playing. Yeah, again, Buster, the timing is curious to say the least. I, I don't understand that. This is a time to just let Gunnar Henderson tear it up. It's just the time to let Adley Rushman continue this amazing start to his major league career. This is the time to let Jack Flaherty know that if you pitch really well here, we're going to re-sign you after the season. You're going to be part of our team moving forward. And I'm just not sure that message was sent the right way recently. All right. Before you go, would you agree with me? Stella Weaver is one of the nicest kids I've met in, in, uh, in Williamsport. Uh, she is the star pitcher for the team from, uh, from Tennessee, man. She, you talk about an it factor, you know, at, at a young, what a great kid she is at age 12. Oh my gosh. I met her in the crowd the other day as I'm walking around and it was delightful, but more important Buster, she is the tallest kid on the team. And I think she's top two speed on the team. Yesterday, she hit a in a two-to-one game, a great game against Nevada. They beat Nevada two-to-one, and she scored the go-ahead run. She's on. She hits a ground single to right field, her third hit in the Little League World Series. No girl has ever done that. She singles to right field. She's on first. She goes to third on a single, and she looked like she'd done that a million times, first to third. And then she scored on a wild pitch, and she scored the eventual winning run. So she's the tallest player on the team. She's one of the fastest players on the team. She pitches, and she can hit. I mean, there are a lot of great girl stories here at the Little League World Series. She's turning herself into... She may not be Monet Davis, but she's done some spectacular things here. I can't even begin to tell you how impressed I am with her. Yeah, I was getting ready to interview her on air the other night and uh, just chatting with her. And I said, so you're pitching tomorrow? She said, yeah. And I said, what do you like about pitching? And she said, I like being in the action. You know, and she's very polite. And and, uh, <laughs> and then we went on air and I asked her the same question. And, and I said, so what do you like about pitching? She said, strike everybody out. <laughs> I just love <laughs> she, 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 yeah. what a, what a great job her folks have done in, in raising her. So yeah. anyway, Tim, have fun, continued fun out in Williamsport and uh, wish me luck as I try to escape Deadwood. All right. Six and a half hours home, Buster. My goodness. And take care of Quinny. Okay. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist and game winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match 
with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we mentioned at the top of the show that the New York Times had this piece uh, where John Angelos gave access and talked about uh, his vision for wanting a new deal. Uh, the, the Camden Yards lease is coming up and that uh, final deal has not been negotiated because John Angelos is trying to leverage it into more money for the area around the ballpark. And there were just parts of this article that uh, and things that John Angelos was saying that I felt like that, like some injection of reality was needed. So we're going to have Sarah do a dramatic reading of parts of this article uh, that was in New York Times, written by my friend uh, Tyler Kepner. Uh, here, for example, John Angelos addressed the situation with Kevin Brown, the broadcaster, who's recently taken off air because he made these benignly critical remarks about the Tampa Bay Rays. Angelo said the team was reviewing the internal processes that resulted in discipline for broadcaster Kevin Brown, who merely pointed out that the Orioles used to struggle mightily in road games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Angelo said he hoped that Brown would remain with the team for a long time. Nothing like that is going to happen again, he added. It shouldn't have happened once. So this whole thing about an internal <laughs> review, let's remember John Angelos is in charge. <laughs> he, he, can, he can step in at any point, and he could have with Kevin Brown and, and just reinstated him. And, and, and people I talk to around baseball are asking the question, nothing like that is going to happen again. Does that mean he made a mistake? Does that mean somebody else made a mistake? And let's just play this out a little bit, because I, I think we all believe that John Angelos is, is – uh, essentially the guy controlling the team at this point could have stepped in. If somebody else made this decision to take Kevin Brown off the air could have said, no, that's a bad idea. We're putting him on air, especially after the article came out and awful announcing about what happened with Kevin Brown, but that didn't happen. This is crazy. Talk Taylor. Uh, Buster. He is the uh, physical embodiment of the Tim Robbins meme where he's like in the hot dog suit and he's saying, we're all trying to figure out who did this. John Angelos, <laughs> you did this. You own the team. You could you control the process. Right. Well, and the thing, I mean, the timeline doesn't even make any sense. Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was removed from this decision. He didn't know anything about it. Well, first of all, people didn't really catch on for like a week, a week and a half. So there was plenty of time internally to work this out. I mean, was he not watching games? Did he not know Kevin Brown wasn't on the broadcast anymore? Like, how did this one slip by him? And 
and so then once the article no, comes and, out again, and, and that's and that's by giving him the benefit of the doubt that right. somebody else made this decision. Yeah. The reality, of course, is that he's the one who made the decision. He could have reversed it at any time. Any so time. this whole review, internal review, it's crazy. All right, Sarah, number two. The Orioles' $70 million payroll this season ranks 28th of 30 teams. It's largely a function of the players' lack of service time, which limits their earning power in the peculiar economy of baseball. Angelos has had a lot of qualms with the system. The hardest thing to do in sports is be a small market team in baseball and be competitive because everything is stacked against you. Everything. And he concealed that it might be not feasible for his popular young core to be career Orioles like Brooks Robinson, Jim Palmer, and Cal Ripken Jr. And he went on to say, without major changes, he sees only one way that uh, the team could retain all of its young stars. He said, we're going to have to raise prices here dramatically. Why he's bringing this up now, when the Orioles are in the midst of this great season, when these decisions about their young players are really off in the future, because these guys are making no money at all right now. (laughs) And guys, the last four years, the Orioles have tanked. They took their payroll to nothing. When you talk with executives with other teams, they will tell you, knowing the economics of baseball and how much each team gets from central baseball, the Orioles have been breaking in tens, ten, many tens of millions of dollars in profit. Like, they've been killing it lately because they're not paying out anything. So what? why is he doing this now, Taylor? Buster, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, and he this article came out after the Orioles, uh, you know, came back from the West Coast road swing, uh, swept the A's, and he's like, "Hey, this is a nice thing you got. You better enjoy it now because it's probably not going to be a thing down the road." I mean, like, what, like, what a crazy, like, just as your fan base is starting to be reinvigorated, you know, I, I'm sure he's he's bemoaning the lack of attendance or what he would like it to be like. Way to kill the vibe, man. I mean, and and also, you know, you're trying to create this culture, trying to bring people in, trying to get people to spend money in the stadium. How would you do that? A bunch of exciting stars, perhaps. And he's already dashing hopes of of people, you know, hoping that they'll they'll be here for a long time. And to be clear, they still don't have a player under contract for 2024 other than James McCann, who they got in his salary dump from the New York Mets. All right. uh, Let's do number three, Sarah. That is a well-worn rationale to be sure. But wouldn't any business simply set its prices to whatever the market bears, regardless of expenses? Well, that's a good question, Angelo said. But let's (laughs) say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will quickly see that when people talk about giving this player $200 that player 150 million, we would be so financially underwater that you would have to raise the price of massively. All right, now Sarah, that so people- let's just, I'm gonna stop you there. <laughs> okay. uh, the, the, whole, uh, the whole issue of showing, he again raised the idea of showing a reporter books. This is something he's done time and again. This is John Angelos in spring training offering to open the books. The second time he did it this year, this article with Tyler Kepner's number three, give a listen. And so when I say, let's open the books, and I would share with you guys an overview, which, which I intend, intend to do. And I, I intend to do that while we're here in spring training. I am going to do what I said I would do. Hey, Taylor, at some point, it's like, dude, shut up. Either open the books or don't open the books. <laughs> and you know what? I'd love to see the books. I'd love to see him 
demonstrate that a team that's basically paying out no money in salaries is losing money. Does he, I feel like he likes playing footsie with this idea now just for the thrill of it. Like this is, this is just like how he gets his kicks now. It's, it is the the weirdest thing. And also raise prices. Go ahead. If my money's going straight into to Gunnar Henderson's pockets, that's where I want it to go. Right. As a fan, like you want the team to pay for the players that are good so they can play good baseball. So yeah. I got no problem with that. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I, it was bizarre. And, and there's so many other things in this article that also deserve a pushback. Um, you know, maybe later in the week we'll hit some more. But, you know, uh, and by the way, John Angelos is, ha- I'm happy to have him come on the podcast and we'll have a conversation about this. Anytime. All I right. think it's hilarious that this is the second time on the record. He said, I'm going to open the books. And third then time. The third time. Third time. Third time. And then didn't last time he do this too? He was like, no, I never said that. I'm not going to open the books. I know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He said it twice. Then he said he wouldn't do it. And now he's like <laughs> playing footsie with it again. Exactly. He's gaslighting us. He's gaslighting us. Something pretty cool we've been doing over here at ESPN as we continue on with our Little League World Series coverage. We've been going around asking major leaguers to ask questions of the Little Leaguers playing in the Little League World Series. Here's Aaron Judge asking Braden Castellone from Rhode Island a question. What's up, Braden? Aaron Judge here, my man. I just if I could give you one piece of advice, it'd be always have fun and keep working hard. Here's Shane Bieber asking Kevin Klingerman, from Ohio, a question. Hey, what's going on, Kevin? This is Shane Bieber. Uh, my question for you is, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? I'm excited to hear your answer. I'm excited to watch you and your teammates play and compete. Um, so good luck. Keep playing the game the right way, working hard, having fun, uh, and I'll be cheering you on. And here's Max Clark asking DJ Jablonski from Texas a question. Hey, DJ, what's going on? It's Max Clark from the Detroit Tigers. And I have a question for you. How do you handle pressure in the biggest moments, especially in the Little World Series? I have no idea what it's like, so I'd really like to hear your take. And while I have you here, I also wanted to give you a huge piece of advice. As you go through your career, whether it's the Little World Series, whether it's high school, college, never forget what it felt like to step on the field in Williamsport. Every single time you step on that field, imagine the 12-year-old kid that was just having a blast with his friends, playing the game that he loves for fun. Keeping that with you and cherishing the love for the game will continue to take you as far as you want in this game. Best wishes this week, and hit me up if you ever need anything. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. It is early. We are moving and grooving. Debbie Gammons-Brown writes in, Remind me when Hembo returns to the Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster. I hope it's in time for the Phillies run in the postseason. I kind of missed him this summer. Yeah, we all miss him. And Hembo, from what I understand, Taylor, is back next week. Yes, he is back next week. We are thrilled to have Hembo back. There's been a huge Hembo size hole in our collective hearts here. So he'll be. I here. know. Yeah. I know. And we better say it out loud or else we're going to get in trouble with him. <laughs> He's kind of bossy, you know? You got to be careful with that guy. You got to stroke his ego. Uh, last one for today here, Mike Frankel. Uh, if my math is correct, Buster, the Cardinals must finish 15 and 20 to avoid their worst record in the modern era. Will Ollie's 23 birds match the futility of the 69-73-1978 Vern Rapp Ken Boyer team? And if so, can Taylor share a tanking coping manual? Yeah, they're not tanking. I mean, that's pretty clear from their comments. Uh, but yeah, it's been incredibly disappointing. In some ways, you can argue this is the worst Cardinal season since 
1919. Pretty bad. Woof. All right. There you have it. Live from Deadwood, South Dakota, another edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast. Send your Bleacher tweets in. Hashtag Bleacher tweets. We'll be back on Friday. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.